When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, welcome back to Talking Knicks. I'm Tom Piccolo coming to you with our first episode in uh, I don't know several months. Um, we we needed the break. We we really did. I'm sure the feeling was mutual, but uh, we've got a lot to catch up on before the season kicks off this week. So let's do it. Let's talk Knicks. All right, I am joined by my friend and co-host Kenny Poon. Kenny, um, we're, we're probably gonna be a little rusty here. We gotta knock off some some podcasting rust. But uh, well, that, how you doing? That, that's what the preseason is for, Tom. It's for knocking off rust and getting a uh, getting everything ready for the regular season. So this being our preseason pod, I'm I'm hoping to do that. You know, see how the make sure that everything still works. Yeah, and if I were any kind of like transition maker, I would I would transition us to the, to the preseason. But first, uh, I mean, it's been a long time since the people have heard from you. Like, did, did you have a good summer? Did you do anything interesting? Did anything happen to you? Oh man, the summer that feels so long away, so so long ago at this point. Uh, we're we're heavy in fall. Um, you know, I, I can't I can't speak to the things that happened months ago because um, my memory has already forgotten them. But I'll tell you this last yesterday, yesterday, not this last anything. Um, I went into the New York City where the Knicks play basketball uh, and hung out with my dear, dear friend, Catherine Sharkey, for not her birthday, even though her birthday is coming up. She just threw a party around the time of her birthday. That is not a birthday party. You do the math there, but uh, it was good. a lovely time. Hung out with some good people. Met a guy named Phil. Told him I'd give him a shout out on the pod because he's a big Knicks fan. Wore a Knicks sweater to the party, so we were instantly friends. So shout listener? out, Phil. Uh, he will be now. If you get a shout out, you have to listen. Them's the rules. Um, Those are the rules. How how are things going for you, Tom? I, I I feel like you didn't do much the last several months. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, one one of the reasons I'd say for for the hiatus, maybe maybe one of the reasons was, uh, yeah, my wife and I had our first child. That was on Father's Day, June nineteenth. Um, that was that was a lot. I was I was doing a lot. Uh, those those first several weeks, um, a little too busy to pod. I couldn't really weigh in on the Donovan Mitchell nonsense that was happening, and I'm glad. I'm glad we didn't spend a moment talking about all that stuff um that ended up being time well not spent um but no everything's i mean my son miles he's great he's uh he's getting bigger every day he's gonna be a knicks fan i still need to get him a knicks onesie i have a i have a jake sucks onesie for him that fits him like a glove but, but but no knicks gear yet so um that's that's next on the list for him so I gotta I gotta ask you the question that I'm sure all of the um, listeners are wondering, and that is, was Miles named after Miles McBride? Deuce. <laughs> you know, uh, he wasn't explicitly named after Miles Deuce McBride, but you know, it didn't dissuade me, right? Like he's not named Cam. Let's say that much. 
Uh, oh, too uh, no, soon. No, uh, we'll get into that. <laughs> we'll get into that. No, I, I, you know, greatly respect Deuce's style of play. So, uh, yeah, I'd be lying if I said that he were named after him, but he's not not named after him either. How about that? I got you. I'm with you. Cheers to that. Yeah, man. Um, all right. Well, with that, we can we can probably talk a little bit about. Uh, I mean, really briefly go over the the off season because I know listeners will will have known this for quite some time by now. But you, you don't know that they could have taken a hiatus just like us, and they they only followed the Knicks through this podcast. But yeah, still keep it brief. I love those yeah. fans. We got to uh, move. Who do that? But yeah, yeah. So the Knicks signed Jalen Brunson for four years, one hundred and four million dollars. Signed R.J. Barrett to an extension worth four years and 107 million guaranteed, up to 120 million with incentives. We also added Isaiah Hartenstein, and uh, from the rotation, we lost Nerlens Noel, Kemba Walker, Alec Burks, and Taj Gibson. Um, Kenny, you were, we were saying before before we started recording, we added two players to the rotation and lost. I mean, ostensibly four. I mean, I know Kemba wasn't a part of it by the end there. And Noel was dealing with some some injuries, but kind of minus four plus two. I mean, that could lead to some uh, some rotation issues. Do you, do you foresee any kind of log jams here? I think that's what people people always want to talk about minutes. How many minutes is Obi getting? How many minutes is Cam getting? How many minutes is everyone getting? Do you, do you uh, does the off season kind of how does it sit with you? I mean, I think it makes sense in that we have often said that um, despite the Knicks not having. Uh, a lot of top end talent. They had a lot of talent on the roster. They had a lot of guys that could play for a number of teams. Uh, they could be playing more minutes on other teams. Uh, and so getting rid of two extra guys, so four total while taking into, uh, I think it clears up some minutes for for some other people. And I, you know, I'm not I'm not worried about minutes. I think we will probably cover kind of how we view the rotation um, in the future uh, of this podcast. But I think that uh, with we have a, a solid, you know, 13 guys right now who can play minutes, and we know that Tibbs is only going to play 10 of them. Uh, so I think, you know, it is kind of addition by subtraction and clearing up some minutes for some of those younger guys that people have been clamoring to get extra minutes. But yeah. I don't know. What do you think, Tom? No, I mean, I, I think that, uh, that Tibbs is going to have his work cut out for him. Um, you're going to always have your injuries. You're going to always have just general maintenance for players. So like, I'm not going to be the minutes police right at the very beginning of the season. I'm going to take a breath and just sort of like let some games happen before I start freaking out. Then again, if Obi Toppin comes out and plays like 13 minutes in the first couple of games, yeah, that, that'll probably be, there'll be an issue there among Knicks fans, but you know, before we even like get into preseason or anything, I do want to clear out for you a little bit because I know you're like one of the preeminent Jalen Brunson fans being a, uh, an alum from, from your alma mater, Villanova. Uh, I mean, how are you feeling about Jalen Brunson? Like, are you pumped to have this guy on the team? What do you, what do you think of him as a player? Is he going to add a lot? Um, and, and as far as like replacing Alec Burks as point guard, like what, what are you feeling there? Uh, Jalen Brunson is, I'm a big fan. Like you just said, he is just so calm with the ball and that's something that the Knicks need. They just need someone who's not going to like freak out and do stupid stuff. Uh, which is something that we have seen people do in the past. Shout out to my boy, Frank. Um, it's just like, he's, he's very under control. He's very good. He's very technically sound. Like he has great footwork. He does like 
stuff that you don't expect from a point guard. Um, something he did a lot of a Villanova. I tweeted about this, but is he posts he posts up guards and like works out and passes out of the post. So like he's passing out of the post. I, I saw him do that in a few games. I wasn't expecting him to do it. I haven't watched him as much in the NBA, uh, but he did that several times uh, this preseason, and like it's still working for him. Um, he's he's not you know a tall guy, but he's strong enough to to kind of do that. So like he's got all of the tools and both mentally and physically and as a basketball player to succeed in New York. And I'm, you know, very excited for it, you know, cause he's like, the other thing is like, he's not going to get shaken. Like we see from a lot of people who go to New York. Uh, he's like I said, very common, you know, I think he's just an excellent basketball player. He's a hooper as they say. Yeah. I I'm with that. Like, I didn't watch a ton of him in Dallas, but obviously whenever the Knicks would play Dallas, I'd check it out. I watched some, some playoff basketball. Um, he looked excellent without Luca um, in a couple games there, but I mean, the most I've been exposed to him is just watching him preseason. And it's, it's kind of everything I expected, right? He's a very competent, steady point guard. And uh, it's, it's something we haven't had in a long time. Guys who can break down defenses off the dribble. He's, He's much quicker than I expected. He's just so low to the ground and shifty. He's not given a lot of credit as being an explosive athlete, and I get that. He's not, like, getting vertical and jumping over people by any means. He's extremely coordinated and, like, just very smooth, right? It, it, he's His handle is tight. Um, I'm never worried about, like, there being defensive pressure and him getting it over the court. I mean, like, I had that concern last year. I was like, oh, no, Alec Burks can't dribble past his defender how are we going to start the offense? How are we even going to like run our first action? And that is uh, the furthest thing from my mind at this point with Jalen Brunson, that's like all taken care of. So he's really, um, I'd say met or exceeded all expectations so far in preseason, but you know, how much stock you put in preseason, um, you know, your mileage may vary there, but you and I have watched. So I, know, I was just gonna say, I, I think that, you know, all everything you said, accurate um he's just very uh, like i said very calm um and you know excellent handles and very uh, you hate to say it with a lefty but like he's very crafty and i know that's a whenever you see a lefty people say he's crafty but like he is actually right. very crafty like he gets into the paint and like he's very shifty and, and makes a lot of moves and, and the other thing you kind of touched on is I, I feel like his entire career has just been overlooked a little bit because he's been under Doncic, he because he's been playing with Doncic. Uh, he also, even at Villanova, he won National Player of the Year, and there was a lot of people who said he wasn't even the best player on the team because Mikhail Bridges was also on the team, and he went in the lottery. Jalen Brunson, as a you know um, junior, was drafted in, uh, I believe, 31st, maybe the first or second pick of the second round. So, like, he's been overlooked a lot, and he, you know, when he got drafted, people said, this is guy, a guy who's going to be in the league a long time, um, and it still looks that way and it still looks that that you know people have just kind of underestimated what he's able to do just because he's been playing with a lot of talented play, players but to your question like we got to the preseason and we saw him what he's do what he can do when he's kind of unshackled and i think that was my biggest takeaway not that you know i don't think you could put too much um you know stock in the preseason but it's a continuation of what we saw last year in the playoffs against utah where he had two excellent games without Doncic. And now, you know, we're seeing how good he can be if he's kind of a little bit more in the spotlight. Yeah, and I think to your point about that kind of just playing with a chip on his shoulder, I know there's a bunch of cliches about it, but, like, there's that kind of ethos to him where, like, that's going to fit in New York, right? That, like, 
New York City likes an underdog and likes someone who's going to be gritty and, and tough. And I feel like that's very much in Brunson's character. You know what I mean? Like he's a, uh, he's got, I mean, people say he's got that dog in him, you know, he's, he doesn't back down. He, he accepts every challenge and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to have the guy on the team. Um, you know, I, I thought that in the last game of preseason uh, against Indiana, like he did, you know, show a little, some, some signs of weakness as far as like breaking down defenses um, like what was happening when his, when his floater game wasn't working. Cause the dude is a tough shot maker. Like that's his thing. He hits hard shots, mid range, short mid range. These are not good shots for a lot of players. Jalen Brunson is one of the few in the league who excels at them. He's hitting like just about 50% from areas where most players are no, nowhere near that mark. So like he's a tough shot maker when those shots aren't falling. Um, it, it was a bit of a struggle for him because he's he is smaller. Like he he had a hard time making a couple passes. I saw he like on a pick and roll. He tried to throw a one pass over the top and it just got picked off. Um, so like you know this this guy isn't a player without warts, but that's not what you're expecting to get with, with this. First of all, with the contract that we paid him, um, and second of all, just he's will he be the best player on this team? I think that's going to be a great question and a conversation we're going to have throughout the year. I think there's a few uh, candidates for who will be the best player on this next team. Brunson's certainly one of them. But, um, yeah, I mean, we, you and I have both watched a few of these preseason games, maybe even all of them, honestly, but between the two of us, certainly. Uh, has anything else stood out to you preseason? Any players, any whether it's schemes or anything like that? Like, what have you noticed in, in this preseason so far? I think, you know, Brunson was – obviously, I, I think the, the new guys are what stick out, stick out the most, like seeing what Brunson's been able to do. And then Hardenstein, I knew very little about coming in. But, like, watching him play, I'm very excited to, you know, see the way that he passes from the high post and I think just generally. Uh, we've seen just a lot of nice passes for him, getting high-value shots at the, at the rim for other players. And it's just, you know, that's something that we haven't really seen much of from the center position, we've t- had, you know, a lot of traditional rim running centers that aren't, you know, known as passers. Uh, I think the last, you know, front court guy that pseudo center, mostly power forward was Kylo Quinn, who, you know, had a good um, rapport with, with Doug McDermott. Um, but, you know, we're, we've got a lot of that from, from Hartenstein over the last few games, just like give and goes backdoor cuts, a lot of that. And like, I, I don't know if, all fans like that, but I know you and me are guys who are very big on that kind of basketball. I mean, dude, it's been so much fun to watch that guy play. Like, what a pleasant surprise. I know everyone, kind of all the basketball nerds were like, oh, watch out for Hartenstein. Like, you're going to love – Knicks fans are going to love this guy. Um, he, uh, he's he's exceeded my expectations for sure. Uh, those those backdoor cuts, the full court outlet passes, he, he's just looking – as soon as he grabs a board, he's looking to push. Um there's something about those backdoor cuts though, that just, it, it keeps defenders on their toes. Like it, it's really hard to constantly be engaged as a defender in the NBA. Um, and Hartenstein forces defenders to like always be on. And that's exhausting. It's, you'd hate to defend against that. And it just adds a, a different element to this offense that frankly wasn't there. I mean, hasn't been there in years to your point since, since Kylo Quinn and Doug McDermott, like you said, like it's, it's been years since this was even a dynamic that was possible and uh, and players are starting to get used to it, used to it quickly. I mean, I was gonna say Emmanuel quickly is one guy who can move without the ball. 
Um, Jalen Brunson, I know, is the beneficiary of one of those Hartenstein passes. And other guys who you just – I mean, R.J. Barrett's always good at that. Um, other guys are just kind of getting used to that style of play, and it's going to be fun to watch as they all start to gel even more. Um, I, I'm with you. Hartenstein definitely stood out preseason. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go kind of maybe a little – not controversial, but – Perhaps the, the biggest like villain last year was Julius Randle on this team. And, and villain I use like kind of facetiously, but he was he definitely drew the ire of a lot of Knicks fans, and for good reason. He really struggled. I think he's looked great in preseason. Like the shooting numbers, I think it have been have been pretty up and down. Um, I'm looking through four preseason games. He's only hitting 27% on threes and over five and a half attempts per game. That's not, not great. But I think that just the um the mentality that he's come in, he's, he's pushing the ball off rebounds. He's not just kind of lackadaisically jogging up the court. He's really, I've seen him cut hard to the basket. I've seen him box out. I've seen him like just do a lot of things. Um, And and I think his assist to turnover ratio is really good too. I'm looking 4.3 assists to less than one turnover a game. Like, dude, that's, that's worlds apart from what we were seeing last year. And you know, I don't expect those numbers to hold necessarily, but even just that style of play and just kind of his place within the offense, it looks night and day from last year. So I've been very encouraged by Julius Randle's play. Yeah, and I think, you know, I, I hate to be the, the Brunson guy still, but like I, I wonder how much having an actual point guard plays into that because now rather than, you know, Julius Randle being the offense, he, it allows him to play within the offense. Uh, and, you know, like you said, kind of he, he takes his shots when he gets them rather than trying to force it and trying to, you know, either get his own shot or create a shot for others or do whatever he has to do. And I think it, it if he's willing to accept that role, I think it's, it's a great, you know, opportunity for him to kind of uh, round back into, you know, it, it's going to be a different player than two years ago um, who, when he was, you know, second team All-NBA, I believe. Um, but I think he can just still be a very good player if, if that's the you know, him fitting into the offense rather than being the entire offense. Yeah, I've seen him used as like a screener in pick and rolls and kind of used on, on the short roll where he can throw lobs and stuff. I think he threw a lob to Mitch, which is just something that didn't happen last year. Um, one kind of tactically different thing, if I can try and like break down video via audio here, um, Dallas Amico from uh, Strickland mentioned this on his Twitter feed. And I thought it was really smart that, that Tibbs is having uh, instead of Mitchell Robinson, like sitting in the dunker spot or like clogging up the paint, having Mitchell Robinson go on the weak side, set a screen for a very good shooter like Evan Fournier. So Mitchell Robinson's man has to be aware of Evan Fournier coming off this screen on the weak side and like hedge out. Meanwhile, on the strong side, Julius Randall can run, a pick and roll and like have space to operate. So it's like you can actually have these kind of non-shooting bigs on the floor and still manage to create space um, in strategic ways that really just wasn't happening last year. You know what I mean? So even just little stuff like that is going to be fun to, to watch and see how it, how it unfolds. Um, but to your point, I mean, like you mentioned Hardenstein before he, he's actually shooting the ball. Okay. I'm looking at the percentages and it's actually, he's also shooting 27% from three, but he's letting them go, you know, and he's uh, it, it seems like he does need to be guarded out there, but it, it remains to be, I mean, these are all small sample numbers that we're talking about just eye test wise. He looks comfortable shooting the three and that's kind of a stretch big that we haven't had before. And it could, could help a lot having Obi Toppin 
paired with him. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, you have anything to say about Obi Toppin? I feel like he's always a, a hot button issue, whether that's actually, sorry, before we, before we get to Obi Toppin, I do want to just shout out one other guy and that's Mitchell Robinson, who I, I think, you know, after he signed this contract, it was, some people cried it was an overpay. Some people were worried about how he would, uh, handle himself, handle his business in the off season, whether he's like shooting a bunch of threes again, or actually working on stuff he needs to get better on. I think Mitch has come out and looked amazing. I mean, he is, he's dominated on both sides, dominated the paint. Um, and he looks really fit and active. And so he's, uh, he's kind of answered any questions I had coming into, uh, coming into the season. Yeah. I, uh, you, you know, I love Mitch and there were, you know, a few years there, a few a few years ago, when the only reason we were watching the Knicks is to watch what Mitch would do. Um, but yeah, like like you said, I think he looks the best that he has looked at the beginning of the season in a long time. Like I feel like maybe last year or two years ago, like he he rounded into form um, during the season, but like coming into the season, like it, there was a lot of foul trouble for a while, and then you know there was questions about conditioning because last year it came in, I think. They said he put on like 30 pounds of muscle and like he just looked a little slower and not quite the same player we were expecting. Um, but this year, like he just looks, you know, he looks explosive. He looks and he's, you know, still high motor and like doing all the good things. Uh, the one thing that like I want to see from him this year is just the free throw shooting. Cause he said that that was something that he's worked on a lot. He made his first four free throws of the preseason and then he missed the last two um, at the end, towards the end of the their last game. But like his free throw, it looked, I mean, it looks a little flat in my, you know, professional opinion, but like it was going in, like it wasn't rimming around. It was like a very clean in. And, and you know, as you know, as a free throw shooter, uh, you just need consistency. And it looked like he had a pretty consistent stroke with that. Uh, so that's something that I'm, I'm going to be watching this season to see what we get out of him from. Yeah, I think I think with that, that's that's enough on, on preseason as much as we can draw from it. Um, I know like there's some guys we didn't even really mention like quickly. We didn't talk about too much Fournier who's starting. We, we barely talked about him, but I, I think we can kind of get into those guys a little bit more as we sort of forecast this upcoming season. And I'll just kind of start broad strokes. Kenny, how are you feeling coming into this season? Like, do you think that this team generally has a, has a chance to contend for the playoffs? Do you think like, what, what does, success even look like for for this team this year yeah i mean um i know we don't want to talk about the uh the donovan mitchell rumors but the whole thing when we were you know donovan mitchell was a possibility like he wasn't going to fix the knicks and he wasn't going to make them a championship contender he was going to make them probably a middle of the pack uh team in the eastern playoff picture and they didn't get him. So um, I think success would be, you know, a middle of the pack team in the Eastern Conference playoff picture without Donovan Mitchell. Um, and, you know, I think the way that they looked in the, the preseason, maybe you have some some excitement. Um, I don't, I'm not going to put all of my chips in the basket of the preseason is who they're going to be uh, moving forward. But um, it certainly showed, you know, some possibilities. Um, you know, I think – the one thing that we didn't really touch on in terms of the preseason is uh, the Knicks pace, which was such a, they were towards the, la- the end of the, the NBA's rankings in pace the last few years. And they just ran it a ton. 
Uh, we can talk about, you know, Obi Toppin, Derek Rose, Emmanuel Quickly, RJ Barrett. All of these guys are guys who, you know, thrive in transition. Uh, and so, like, if the Knicks are able to kind of change the game, uh, the way that they play the game, I think that they could surprise some people uh, because they have all of these guys who are weapons in transition and they just haven't really used them as such. So I think there's a good chance for them to, to you know, outperform. But I think, you know, likely they are probably looking towards the end of the the playoff picture if that um but i think there is a possibility that you know they outperform their their roster and and kind of bump up into the middle of that pack yeah i'm wondering if like when all is said and done if it's going to be more almost based on like individual players productions and performances you know like is there a world where this team finishes 10th in the East, but like, we're still happy with how they played, like we're still happy with progress that was made, or is that just an impossibility? Like, does this team have to finish like, you know, eighth or something for us to feel good about the way the season's going to unfold? I I think that's probably a little bit more complicated than that, but I mean, we we've seen, you know, the, the Knicks finished fourth two years back and, and, you know, lost pretty soundly in that first round, but, I don't know. I I think that what the the tension I'm I'm feeling like the push and pull is just what if I look back on this season like what is going to make me feel like oh this was a this was a time well spent this was a season well spent we kind of accomplished our goals um and so I don't know like I've I've got some some over unders here like those are kind of some some miniature goals if you're interested in like going through some of these, I feel like they can kind of spur some discussion. Um, but sure thing. Let's do it. Okay. Last year we did some over unders and we, uh, but at the end of the year we went through and figured out who actually got the most of them. Right. We did nine over unders last year. Um, and Kenny, you won, you correctly predicted five of the nine over unders. I was second place with four of the nine and Greg, Greg only correctly predicted two of the nine. He's not here to defend himself. I'd like to hear what he has to say about that, but we'll get his, uh, we'll try and get his takes on these slightly different over-unders from this year. So the first one I'm going to start with an easy one, Kenny is, is RJ Barrett's points per game. I, I set the line at 20, And for context, last year, he was at 20.0 flat. Um, So what do you, what are you thinking? Is, is RJ Barrett going to average more or less than 20 and a half points per game? I see that you came in and you said this was an easy one. I actually think this is one of the harder ones uh, just because naturally you would expect him to progress and score more points, but they also brought in Jalen Brunson, who while not a scorer is a more of a threat than, you know, uh, Alec Burks at the point guard spot. Um, it's a tough call. I'm going to take the unpopular pick and take the under. Just off a hunch. I have no real conviction right now. I could easily say, see it going the other way. And by the end of this, I might change my mind. But right now, it's locked in. I typed it. It's in the, it's in the Google sheet. It is as under. I mean... Look, he RJ was a high volume shooter last year. He he was able to put up a lot of shot attempts, particularly in the back half of the year. He was really given the green light. His his stats 
like his efficiency numbers were, were pretty brutal. Like he was, he was shooting in the, I think in, in the 30 percent for much of the uh, back half of the year in preseason, he's looked really good. Like he's his three ball. He's hitting 50% on six, three point attempts per game. He's, I mean, that's uh, his, just the shot has looked really smooth and it, it's very clear that he's been working on it. Even in tight coverages, he's able to get them off quickly. It looks less mechanical. It just looks so smooth. So I've been very encouraged by his three ball. Um, his finishing around the rim has looked better. There, he's hit some really tough shots, so I wonder how sustainable it is. But just the the touch and some of his finishes has looked better. And then his free throws. That's the biggest thing for me. Is is last year? I want to say he was in like that 71, 72% range. I don't have the number in front right now, but. In preseason, he's taken four a game and he's hitting eighty-one percent, just over eighty-one percent, and he looks really confident. Like when when he missed one, he looked like, "Oh, I, I can't believe I just missed that." Like he looks like every time he steps up to the charity stripe, he is expecting to go two for two. Um, I I want to say that just with the increased efficiency, even if he does shoot at a lesser volume, that his his numbers will still tick up tick up. So I'm thinking in that twenty-one to 22 points per game range for him is, is going to be possible with upgraded efficiency across the board. So I'm going to go with a slight over on RJ's points per game. Yeah. And again, like I, I have no conviction in my under, um, cause I think it's, it's just as possible that, that, uh, you know, his end of the year last year, I think after the all-star break, he was averaging something like 23, 24, 25 points a game. Um, and it's, possible that continues i know that julius randall was out for a fair amount of games during that stretch um but i just think that you know with jalen brunson there will be more kind of distribution of scoring so i'm gonna again no conviction and if i was gonna guess which one i'm gonna get wrong it's gonna be that one and i'm gonna nail the other ones uh but yeah i'm gonna i gotta i gotta i said it so here we are all right let's get to the next one then um the next over under is NBA All-Stars, 2022-2023 NBA All-Stars on this Knicks roster. The line set at 0.5. So the question is, like, do you think this team has any All-Stars on it? Um, I think they have a lot of good players. I think that there are just too many good players in the East right now for them to get an All-Star. So I am, again, taking the under, which is not a fun pick. No one wants that pick, but... I think, you know, um, Julius Randle, RJ Barrett, and Jalen Brunson could all push to be all-stars, but there's a lot of very good players in the East right now. And Donovan Mitchell just came over to the East, and Murray just came over to the East, and, you know, uh, the West. So it's a tough it's a tough call, but that's my pick. I think that feels kind of right to me. I mean – of the three that you mentioned, Julius Randle, Jalen Brunson, and R.J. Barrett, who do you think has the best chance at being an all-star? They still do it by position. Is there like I know the starters on? they do, but I think that I think that the reserves are not um, are not position based. Ah, oh, that's a I I am. Between, I think Brunson and uh, and RJ, I think that Julius Randle, like, I think his for him success will be like kind of accepting a lesser role and being um, 
active in it. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the guy with the ball in his hands, which is gonna be uh, Jalen Brunson because I'm also a Villanova guy, so just a homer. I think I think that's right. I think that Brunson does have the best chance of being an All Star. So the question is, do I think do I think Jalen Brunson will be an All Star? Is kind of this question to an extent. Um, you know, I, I think I'm going to go with you here and do the, the not fun thing. I, and I'd love to be proven wrong here. And I hope that a player does <laughs> may, I know I'm speaking for you too. We hope that these guys make all-star teams, but, um, for this, for the sake of this, I'm going to also take the under and if I'm proven wrong, good. Um, all right. So, I mean, yeah. let me, I want to pull up last. I want to pull up last year's All Stars, um, which is tough to do because it's not divided by conference anymore. Um, oh, they do they divide the teams by conference and then they pick they pick uh, based on uh, whoever the captains are. So Eastern Conference was Trey Young who's still in the East, DeRozan still in the East, Embiid, Durant um, was was injured, Giannis, Lamelo Ball was an All Star. Didn't realize that. Um, Darius Garland. Uh, James Harden, Zach Levine, Fred VanVleet, Jimmy Butler, Chris Middleton, Jason Tatum, Jared Allen, all of those guys are still in the East, plus uh, Kyrie Irving, plus Ben Simmons, plus uh, DeJounte Murray, and plus Donovan Mitchell, um, which is a lot of guys. DeJounte Mitchell, Donovan, and Don- or DeJounte Murray and Donovan Mitchell were both all-star all- also all-stars last year, except for the West. Um, so that's tough. That is a tough, tough line to break because there's all of the all of the all-stars from last year, plus two, plus Kyrie and Ben Simmons. Um, I'm sure if Greg were here, he would say Ben Simmons is terrible, uh, which is sometimes true, but he has all-star potential. So I, I got to take the under. Yeah, I think with that with that rationale, I'm I'm with you. That's um that's not a homer pick in any way. That's a pretty clear eyed, <laughs> clear eyed answer. So I think you and I are both on the under there. Um, maybe some of our other co-hosts will will take the over and be bold. But uh, moving on to the next category, we've got team offense rank. So where will the Knicks offense rank by the by season's end? Um, for context, last year. Per NBA.com, the Knicks had the 23rd ranked offense. So that's pretty bad. Um, this was probably the hardest line for me to set. And I put it at 15 and a half. And just basically the question was, will the Knicks have a league average offense or better? Or will they be below average? That was kind of my the rationale for, for this line. So it's set at 15 and a half. And Kenny, what do you think? Where's the Knicks offense going to finish? I'm going to make you go first because you get to listen to my logic, and I think that's swaying your picks. So I, uh, and this is competition for me. So you have to go first. Now. That's fair, and this is again, this was the hardest one for me to set. So, um, yeah, I was kind of banking on on you talking me through this one. No, but uh, I think twenty third to fifteen is a big jump for an offense year over year. Um. I think that this team will be bought in even more defensively than it was last year. And without kind of like some of the weak links that we had um, as far as like Kemba, not being able to defend the point of attack early on, especially I, I think that 
this team is going to be better, but I think that that improvement will manifest on defense and just like a little bit on offense, you know, and that's kind of, maybe that's kind of strange to say because Jalen Brunson is such an upgrade over Alec Burks, but I think that he can be that upgrade and still this offense won't get up to 15, you know, again, 23 to 16, still a large leap year over year. Um, I just think it's, it's safer to say this team will be a slightly below average offense. And so I'm going to take the under here for the team offense rank. All right. How are we, well, how are we divide, defining team offense? Is it points? Is it points per possession? Is it, what is it? It's, it's offensive rating is, is okay. what they usually go with. Um, in the, points in, per hundred yeah. possessions. Exactly. Cause it, yeah. Right. It, for, so it, uh, it takes into account pace. Okay. So I am going to take the over to separate myself from you um, for a few reasons. One, you mentioned Jalen Brunson is a huge upgrade over uh, Alec Burks, which is true. Alec Burks was a great role player as a scorer off the bench. He was not the good point guard. Uh, so that was a problem. Second, I don't know how much it's going to carry through, but I mentioned earlier the pace that they've played with, with has been um, much improved, and they have a lot of guys who thrive in transition. And I know you said they're just offensive rating for pace. It's based on per 100 possessions. But typically, if you up the pace, you get easier buckets in transition. So those things added together, um, plus improvements that we're expecting in efficiency from R.J. Barrett and um, – and uh, some of the shooters around him, Emmanuel quickly, and uh, Quentin Grimes playing an improved and increased role as a you know shooter off the bench, or potentially as a starter. Who knows? We might start talk about that later. Uh, I think all of those things add up to them seeing a huge leap up to fifteenth or better. Go team! I like it. I like it. Um, next category, we've got this is the same category we, as we used last year, and it was Obi Toppin minutes per game. And last year, we set the line at 18 and a half. Greg and I both took the over and were wrong. You took the under and were correct. Obi played about 17, 17.1 minutes per game last year, well below that 18 and a half, solidly below that 18 and a half we, uh, line that we set. This year, hope springs eternal. I've set the line at 20 minutes per game for Obi Toppin. I think that's a real line of demarcation here. And, uh, you know, if, if he doesn't get to 20, I, I do think that a lot of fans are going to be pretty upset that we took this guy eighth in the draft a few years ago. Um, there were still a lot of good players on the board. And we knew, like, I mean, we knew there were some good guys on the board at that time. There's, it's not like these guys have come out of nowhere and shocked us. Um, Obi, in the minutes that he's played, has looked like he uh, – he contributes to winning basketball. Like it, it seems clear that he, he has a role in this league the line set at 20 minutes per game. Kenny, I, I may have tipped my hat a little bit as to where tip my hand. I think that's the phrase tip my hand a little bit as to where I'm going to go with this, but where are you thinking on this? Line? I am taking the under again for the same exact reason, which is that Julius Randall is on his basketball team Tibbs will not play them together, and Julius Randle is going to play a lot of minutes. That is my reasoning. You saw Obi take off last year when Julius Randle was injured. If that happens again, it could Obi could go over 20. If Julius Randle is on this roster and he is playing, 
then Obi Toppin will not get those minutes. The other thing I want to point out is like I have loved a lot of what Obi's been doing um, this offseason uh, or this uh, preseason. Like he's been getting a lot of highlight dunks. He's been you know uh, doing like an excellent job rebounding, which I don't think people see as much. Uh, but he's getting a lot of like contested rebounds. Um, but like the thing he needs to do to be able to be like a very good player is to shoot and his shooting has either been very hit or miss, you know, he's made a few like tough shots. He's made some, some good shots. And then he's like taking shots that like hit the side of the backboard and aren't anywhere near the rim. Um, and so like, I don't have a lot of faith in his shot yet. Um, if that changes, then maybe, you know, if he, he becomes a knockdown shooter, like maybe he can steal a few more minutes uh, in a different role. I still think Julius Randall is playing whatever minutes Julius Randall can play for Tibbs because that is Tibbs' reputation. He plays his players. Uh, so I'm taking the under. You know, it is it is worrisome. If you just look at the preseason that Julius Randall was playing 23 and a half minutes per game and Obi was still only getting 20.7 and you know that Randall's going to be playing a lot more than 23 and a half minutes per game. So it's a, it is dicey to take the over here, but I'm going to do it. And if I'm wrong, I don't want to be right. What? Like I have to take, I have to believe that we're going to find 20 minutes per game for Obi Toppin, especially if pace is a uh, priority for this team. Like he is a, one man, fast break. We've seen so many outlet passes go his way. We've seen him get out and transition himself. Like he leads to easy buckets. Like in the half court, not so much. Like he he really did struggle in that last Pacers preseason game. He just like wasn't adding much at all. Like the, the entire second unit was really struggling, which has been kind of funny that the the roles have been a little bit reversed in this preseason. That the starters have been the the plus minus darlings and the the second unit who we all expected to just like come out and destroy second units like they've been struggling so um that's a little bit of a role reversal but again preseason so who knows what it means but i'm gonna take the over on obi toppin's minutes per game i think that that maybe tibbs will will show a little bit more flexibility as far as playing him and julius together just a little bit even just a little bit is a major upgrade over, over last year and previous years. So um, give me the over. I think it'll be like 20.1, 20.2, but uh, a slight over and I'm comfortable with that. Um, All right. we can, yeah, we can move right along to the next category here. It's Jalen Brunson's assist per game. And uh, you know, I've set the line here at six. And this one's kind of a funny category because I think that Julius Randle has led the team in assists per game the last couple of years at about five or five and a half. And so, I mean, he's dominated the ball and now we know that Jalen Brunson's going to come in here and be that guy. So six assists per game, I feel like is a solid line. He averaged five and a five, or was it just five or maybe four and a half? I should probably have that right in front of me here as I talk about it. But, um, I'm pulling it up. Jalen Brunson last season. I am also pulling it up. He it averaged like four four point eight assists yeah. per game last year, and that was a that was a career high for him at four point eight. Um, again, playing with Luka Doncic, I know all the caveats. So the the question is, can he go from four point eight last year to six plus this year? What do you think? Tom, you're up. 
Europe. I can't tip my hand because, okay. you know, I'm a Brunson guy. Yeah, I, I think that um, for all the talk of like Julius Randle kind of letting go of the reins a little bit, I think that he's still going to be just a huge part of the, like the end, an engine to this offense. And, uh, I, and I'm also hoping that RJ Barrett is able to up his playmaking a little bit. I think he's been stuck at this three assists per game plateau for a while. Um, I'm hoping he can get that at least a four and change. I, I think that Brunson's going to be right around five and a half between five and five and a half. So I'm going to take the under here. Well, Tom, I want me to let you know right now, you're right. As the resident Jalen Brunson expert, um, I don't think Jalen Brunson's a high assist guy. Um, I think he's a good passer. I think he is more of like a team passer. Like he, he'll move the ball and like maybe get a hockey assist. Um, so having a guy like Julius Randle who can also pass the ball, having a you know a, a Hartenstein on there who can also pass the ball, and like Knicks guys who are willing to move the ball, I think that you know you're going to see an increase of you know team play hopefully. Uh, but I don't think he's a he's a guy that's going to get you you know ten assists tonight. Um, you know, I I took deep cuts. I took checked out his college stats, and even in college, uh, he averaged you know the year he won the national player of the year, he averaged four point six assists per game, and which was here the uh, per forty was only five point eight. So like. And again, that that was on a Villanova basketball team that was very much a team basketball team. Like it was find the make the extra pass, find the extra man. Um, so like I think while he is a good point guard and a good passer, and you know I think it'll open up the team game. I don't think he's the the ten assist a game guy uh, on any given night. So I, I agree with you that he'll be probably be between the five and a five and a half range. All of my picks are kind of not the picks that you would want to make as a fan. But I have to I have to follow my brain here. Well, maybe you'll uh, flip the script here because we're we've kind of moved away from the player specific ones. I know we had one team offense rank in there, but these are the uh, these last three categories we'll run through. These are all uh, team oriented. This this next one might be the biggest one. It's regular season wins. Vegas had the line at thirty eight point five. I felt like that was a little low just because this team won thirty seven last year. And have made some upgrades. I know other teams in the East have also made upgrades, yada, yada, yada. But uh, I've set the line here at 39 and a half. Kenny, do you think this team is now it's your turn? Do you think this team is going to hit the 40 win mark? I do. Uh, I have to take the over. I couldn't respect myself if I didn't. Um, and I also had this conversation with my brother in law who bet the under. He's a Celtics fan, though, so no one really cares. And his argument was that while the Knicks got better, so did a bunch of uh, other teams uh, like the Cavaliers and uh, the Atlanta Hawks. Um, but the thing is that that not every team has gotten better. It's just not possible. Um, some teams have definitely gotten worse, including Utah. And, um, you know, there are other teams that are you know, planning to lose a lot of games this year for Victor Wimbanyama. So I just have to believe that the Knicks get to 40. They won 37 last year with Alec Burks playing point guard for the majority of the season with you know in a nightmare of a year so like i have to believe that they hit 40 this year dude 37 in a year when our best player julius randall played the worst season of his career like we we have to expect he's going to bounce back even a little bit like he's not going to be that bad again rj barrett's going to improve other young guys quickly 
OB, like they're going to be a little better. No one's getting worse there. I mean, we didn't even mention Quentin Grimes this entire podcast. And like Jalen Brunson is here now. Like, yeah, like there's just a lot of there's no reason to think that it's going to I mean, 38 and a half. We should actually go ahead and put money on this. Like I I did. I did did months ago. (laughs) So I knew my answer to this before, although I think that was at the 38 and a half line as soon as it came out. Uh, yeah. so it's an over, roughly, it's yeah. no brainer for me. Same. I'm, I'm we're, we are in lockstep. It's gotta be an over. I mean, if this, if this team wins in the thirties this year, then I think we can, I mean, almost regardless of what happens, like winning in the thirties is going to feel like uh, a failure to some extent. Yeah, I think that's, that's right. I, I know you asked before how we measure success, but like, I feel like, I feel like they, I'm, I'm hoping for a, 500 around 500 season so like call it 42 maybe a little better than that like up to 45 would be a nice season for me um so 40 would be like if if they're under 40 i would be very disappointed yeah that, that'll lead us to where you think this team is going to finish in the east so what place will they finish in the east in the eastern conference standings i've set the line at eight and a half um, I think so. So I'm up to go first here. Oh, that's good because I was just trying to figure this out. Oh, yeah. And you see, I mean, yeah, for the listeners, I, I have some teams, Eastern Conference teams listed here. Um, and I'll just, these are the teams who I think are better, potentially better than the Knicks on opening day. It's the Bucks, the Celtics, the Sixers, the Nets, the Heat, the Cavs the Hawks, the Raptors. That's, I mean, how many teams is that? That's That right there is eight teams. Then you move into like the Bulls, Wizards, Pistons territory, which I, I think that, I mean, the, the Bulls were quite good last year. I think they kind of started hot and fell off and, and Lonzo Ball's health is, is a huge part there. I mean, it's it's going to be tough for me to to pick well, whichever one so i think that the over wait which one's which one's above which one's like nine ten is that over or is that under we asked the same question last year and i, I know I, I don't remember what the answer was but i okay i think that over means that you expect like over is good if you okay. say over then you think that they're going to be better then eight and okay. a half. If you say under, then then you think that they're going to finish like ninth or tenth. And I think yeah. they are going to finish Stop. like ninth. Ninth. I'm I'm going to take the under here. I was going to give you one more piece of information um, before you made that choice, which was that the Charlotte Hornets also made the play-in game last year, and they're not on your list. So I don't know how you feel about that. Yeah, the Hornets with their kind of off-season turmoil and everything, like I, I don't have a great deal of faith in them, but. I also saw Gordon Hayward's haircut and I was like, that that's, that's not what you want. Um, looks bad. Dude looks bad. Um, but yeah, it's funny. Cause like the Hornets last year, they did make the play in and didn't they like get beat in the, in the play in tournament, like pretty soundly. They just got destroyed. Uh, I do not recall, but they, they won 43 games. Like you said, some, some less than ideal things happening um, with their team. So, yeah, I mean, look, like you said, they they won forty three games. 
and just got destroyed in the play-in. I believe that's how that went down. And it's like, is that is that a win? Is that is that success for for a team? I don't know. Um, I'm a little little dubious of that. But yeah, I think I'm gonna also I'm gonna take the under here. I think they're gonna finish right in that ninth range and and be in the play-in tournament. And from there, anything is possible. I uh, unhappily agree with you. Like I think oh. this, I I think this was a good line because um, I think that would be like right in that like. Eight is possible, nine is possible, ten is possible. Like I think they're somewhere in that range. Uh, so I am also going with the under, under eight and a half, being that they will finish ninth or tenth. Yep. I'm sorry. Very still still trying to work on the math. All right. Then the last category we have here is playoff game wins, and that's including the play in. How many games are they going to win if you include the play-in? It's set at 0.5. And um, you're up. Uh, I've gone with my brain this entire time. I have to go with my heart. My heart's telling me yes, Tom. They got it. I would feel very – It would. I would. I would consider the season a success if they won a play-in game. They made the playoffs. So I don't, is that maybe if they finish 10, they have to win two? Or is it nine, either nine or 10, they have to win two? That's the either way. Part. Either way, I'm, I'm taking the over. That's, that's, my, that's the pick from the heart. Right. So if they make, if, as we predicted, like the ninth or 10th seed, um, then yeah, then they would have to win two games in the play-in tournament to advance. Whereas they, if they lose one, then they're out. That's that's how it works. Uh, I believe that's the case. Seven and eight have to each have to win one. Yeah. So they have two games to win one, and then nine and ten play each other, and then the loser of the eight nine game. And that's so we'd be banking on the Knicks winning two in a row in the play in tournament to advance. But actually, not even like this is this is playing game. This is playoff game wins, including the play in. Like they yeah. could literally split in this situation, like go one and one. <laughs> you know, still lose in the play-in technically and, and hit the over on this. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm not going to sit here and, and take the under. We've been, like, too level-headed as it is. We're still fans of this team. We we have hearts. Um, I'm, I'm taking the over. Like, the Knicks will win at least one play-in game and likely more. So, I'm uh, I'm good with that. You and I did differ on several of these, so it'll be fun to, to look back. But we'll have to to pull Greg and and Jake and BBD and see if we can get some answers from those guys on these on these categories because it's pretty fun. Yeah, I uh, yeah, I, I want you to, to send this out to them, and then we'll we'll post it on the Twitter, on the Instagram, all over, and you guys can make fun of how how wrong Jake is on everything. Oh, good stuff. Nice man. Well, Kenny, we've we've been going for a while. We've we've covered a lot. Is there anything that we haven't discussed? Anyone we haven't highlighted? Whether that's Quentin Grimes or Cam Reddish or, I mean, anybody I mean, you want to you want to talk about? I mean, we can do some some quick hitters on I think the the rotation, which I think is pretty clearly set. Um, which is the point guard? It's going to be Brunson backed up by Rose. Shooting guard would be. Fournier and IQ, I believe, depending on what you call RJ. RJ, I would call the small forward. 
being backed up by Grimes, then Julius Randle backed up by Obi, then Mitchell Robinson backed up by uh, Hartenstein. And then that leaves three guys um, who could, you know, potentially be role players on another team in Cam Reddish, uh, Deuce McBride, and Jericho Sims on the bench to step in when someone gets injured. I know that Cam Reddish is not going to be happy about that, but he just did not look good at all in the preseason. Um, so I think that's kind of how it's going to be right now. Unless unless someone gets injured and he, he steps in, I don't think he's going to be a big part of the rotation. Yeah, I, I just think that Cam kind of lacks some of the, uh, you know, it's, I don't know if it's awareness or just like instincts. There, there's something missing. He, everyone always says he's got all the tools and that's that's right on. But you watch him play and he's losing guys back door or coming off screens and he's not the only one who does that like honestly i feel like rj actually i saw make a lot of defensive miscues in the the preseason but he's proven what he can do over the course of a season and cam just hasn't done that to this point in his career and so i'm yeah i'm not i'm probably lower on cam than most and so i i don't see him cracking this rotation i really don't see him cracking like a lot of rotations league wide so I mean, I know he's got some tantalizing potential, but um, I, I just don't think he's can, he can put it all together. And I think, yeah, there's some like Kevin Knox vibes there too. I mean, I, yeah. I mean, I think I don't know. I think I think it's a little different from Kevin Knox. I feel like Kevin Knox it looked like, like does he even want to be here? Does he want to like play basketball? And Cam Reddish, I think his problem is the opposite. Is like he goes out there and he is trying to force like spectacular things to happen to earn his place in this rotation and it is not looking good. Uh, so I, I feel like, like everyone has said, he has a lot of talent. He has a lot of tantalizing uh, skills and like his, his measurables in terms of like height and length are like, they, they're great, but he hasn't put it together in kind of a cohesive way. And like, I, to me, it looks like it's cause he's trying too hard, but um, whatever the reason he just hasn't looked good this preseason. And I don't think him don't think he's going to be a huge part of the rotation. Yeah, no, I'm I'm with that. Um, yeah, I think one last note I'll say on Grimes specifically. Obviously, he was famously withheld in those Donovan Mitchell talks, and so a lot of fans are like, "Well, he better start. We better see a lot of Quentin Grimes." And he kind of was was injured to start preseason, um, but there's been a lot of calls for him to start over Evan Fournier for for good reasons, like because fit wise, it makes sense for Grimes to be out there, whether that's to defend the opposing team's best wing and take some, um, take some of that burden off of RJ. Cause right now RJ is asked to do a lot on offense and he's going to have to guard opposing team's best wing offensive players because it's not going to be Evan Fournier and Jalen Brunson's too small. So it's, it's asking a great deal of RJ Barrett right now. Um, you know, he's going to have a heavy minutes load too. So Fit-wise, I'm, I'm with the people that say it makes sense to start Quentin Grimes and have Evan Fournier come off the bench and like be able to feast on opposing... Evan Fournier's lack of defense is not as big of an issue against opposing second units. This is all stuff we said last year, too. I, yeah. I understand that. But it's even exasperated this year because... Exacerbated this year because we weren't willing to put Grimes in the Donovan Mitchell deal. Like there's just organizationally, it seems like there should be some focus on getting Grimes into this rotation in a real meaningful way. And, um, you know, I understand he can I'll, also play 20 plus minutes off the bench, Yeah, but 
from a fit perspective, I think it makes sense to have him alongside, you know, Brunson and RJ and Randall, because those guys are creators and the, the second unit's going to need a little bit more of that. And, and Fournier would bring that in a, in a way that I think that Quentin Grimes probably doesn't have in his bag quite yet. I agree with all of that. Um, I think that Grimes, from a fit perspective, is a better fit with a starting lineup than Fournier, and Fournier can be very successful off the bench as a creator and a scorer. That being said, because Grimes was just injured, it kind of takes the question, like it, it makes the question a little less um, kind of pressing for, uh, for Tibbs. Because I think Fournier is going to start the season just because Grimes didn't play much in the, the preseason um, and he played limited minutes in one preseason game. Mm-hmm. Um, so Fournier is going to get the, the nod to start. If the Knicks start out hot, I don't, they're definitely not going to change things. If the Knicks start out slow, then that's when the questions will begin to arise of whether Grimes should come in over Fournier. So like right now, I think it's a moot question because Fournier is going to start regardless because Grimes has barely played. Uh and then depending on what happens to start the season, it might still be moot or it might become kind of a, a hot topic, talking point. Well, I'm sure we'll, we'll get into it down, uh, down the road a little bit. But uh, yeah, man, that, that's all I've got so far for this. It's, it's been good talking Knicks with you. Um, yeah, but we don't we – now, now that we're done talking Knicks, we have to go to the world's favorite sub-podcast, which is uh, – what else is on for you, Tom? Man, there has not been a lot for me that's been on, like, as a new dad. I hope I don't say, like, as a new dad a lot, like, too much on this podcast, but I probably will. Like, usually by the end of the day, we're so tired. Like, there have been 8, 8 p.m. bedtimes for us. Like, as soon as we get Miles to, to bed, we're just, like, passing out. Um, for the most part, when we have time to watch shows – we're just throwing on comfort shows and like falling asleep to them. We're not, we're not delving into new programming and like really getting into new stories right now. We're just like on season four of new girl, just, just going through it, you know, and, and laughing. That's, that's kind of, I mean, the day that, uh, that miles was born when like Rose went into labor, we were watching Shit's Creek. That was, that was like how it all, <laughs> we were watching Shit's Creek and we we're like, Oh, we need to go to the hospital now. Um, it's, it's a lot of these just kind of like comfort shows and not a lot of, I mean, I've been getting recommendations. I'd like to see house of the dragon. Sure. I mean, but can I sit down for like an hour and watch a show with a ton of different characters and follow who's who? I don't know that I can do that right now. So that's kind of where I'm at. I'm hoping as I get better at, you know, balancing my time that I'll be able to, to watch more shows and have better answers for what else is on. But, but right now it's just like, right now it's just new girl. All right. Well, it's funny that you say that you're, you're watching new girl. Cause I also have like a bunch of kind of comfort TV shows on in the background at all times. Uh, I just finished my probably second or third rewatch of new girl uh, yesterday. So that's interesting. Other things that I've been watching letter Kenny, uh, I finished that up a, maybe a week or two ago, but I don't, I think I watched the entirety between our last podcast and now. So it's never been mentioned. Watch letter Kenny. It was excellent. Very dry humor. Um, very like not many people like laughing at the jokes in the show. So it's like my, it's very much my speed. Uh, Shorzy, which was a, 
spinoff of Letterkenny, also very good. And uh, so now the only kind of active show that I am watching is uh, Reboot, which is on Hulu, which is a, also a very, very funny show. Um, and uh, I mean, I, I think I kind of just ripped through those, but I know, I know we've been talking for a lot of a lot of minutes, so I don't want to keep anyone too long. But I highly recommend Reboot. If you haven't seen Letterkenny, Shorzy, uh, watch those. Um, just the premise of reboot, by the way, is that uh, they're rebooting an old show, um, and you know it's following around the actors and, and things like that. And uh, it's, who is it? Keegan Michael Mer Keegan Keegan Michael Keegan Michael Key Key, uh, and then some other you know uh, good folks. So highly recommended. Recommended. Yeah, I'm done. Podcast is over. End it, end it now. <laughs> those are those are some good recommendations, man. All right. Well, this has been fun. We knocked off some rust. It's only going to get better from here, guys. And you know, the next season starts on Wednesday. Like that's it's very exciting. So I I know I've been looking forward to this for a while. Um, as has the rest of the Talking Knicks crew. For the Talking Knicks crew, I'm Tom. That's Kenny. Thanks for listening. Make sure you rate, subscribe, review, do the stuff. Follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Instagram at Talking Nicks. We're putting posting videos. I know Kenny's been active on that, and uh, we're going to continue doing that. So, uh, hey, let's go Nicks. Nicks take.